Hi, Natalie. Hello, Tara. How are you? (laughs) Pretty good. Still full from Thanksgiving somehow. Yeah. Welcome back. (laughs) Yeah, you too. Thanksgiving break. Much needed. Yeah. Same. I ate a lot. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? You always have to have it. My favorite. It depends on who's cooking it. It changes. Like if I get the right auntie or cousin, then the potato salad's the best. (laughs) Or if it's like my mom, her stuffing is the best. Um, But I will say this year, because it was just the two of us, we ordered three incredible pies from this local bakery called KCAG. And they deliver and they make great like vegan and gluten-free, all kinds of things. And they are just immaculate. So I had cherry pie, apple pie, and pumpkin pie. So that was definitely the highlight of our feast. Oh, snap. I only had one piece of pumpkin pie this entire time, which doesn't Mm. feel right. Yeah, no. (laughs) Step it up. Yeah. So what was your favorite of those three? I think the apple pie. The apple pie was pretty banging, but they were all great. Shout out to KCAG. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What was the star of your spread? I always request broccoli casserole from my mother. It's, you know, Southern white mom classic mayonnaise soup. You know, the works like goes into the dish. So does she have like a special, you like put a little stank on it? Like what's, what's your mom's special ingredient? Just like straight (laughs) up frozen veggies you would find it in like a Paula Deen cookbook likely or something terrible, but I love it. It's so yeah. good. Tried and true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hi. Welcome to the store. Welcome. I'm Tara. I'm Natalie. Let us know if you need anything. We'll be over here behind the counter just dishing about our Thanksgiving dishes. <laughs> so, you know, nothing special, but it's the thing that I've loved since I was a child. Yeah. I mean, nothing beats a good old food coma. All the time. It's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Oh, hi. Look who it is. Hey. Welcome, welcome. It's Stuart Meyerberg. Hello. Hey, How's Stuart. it going? It's going really well. Good. I'm also coming down from Thanksgiving, so. Oh, you overheard us. Oh, sorry. We're so loud talking about our food. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you do anything fancy for Thanksgiving? Um, well, I was in New York up to Thanksgiving Day, so I went there to see Suede and Manic Street Preachers. Um, but then I flew back on Thanksgiving Day and then immediately went to a friend's for Thanksgiving dinner. So it was a whirlwind. Oh, wow. Then I saw you at the drug dealer show. Correct. So it continued the whirlwind throughout the weekend. Um, so I also DJed Friday night. So I didn't really rest until Sunday. Oh man. How was the drug dealer show? We talked about that recently. It was so good. Yeah. Wasn't it, Stuart? Yeah. I mean, I thought they were really charming live um, and it sounded exactly like the album. I would say they could have used a saxophone. They did not have a saxophone. <laughs> but it was great. The drummer was phenomenal. I was really blown away by the drummer. And until I saw them live, I didn't realize there were actually two different guys singing. So that was news to me. Well, I think the one person was singing on behalf of some of the songs the women were singing on. True. So, but yeah, it was really good. Stuart DJs at 
one of my favorite places in Atlanta to dance. It's called Mary's and he plays my favorite music. He he'll throw out a Sonic Youth track and not be worried about clearing the floor because he knows that Sonic Youth rules. (laughs) And at least somebody's going to dance, quite possibly you. Yeah, quite possibly only me, but I will. Yeah, Tara's got it covered when it comes to Sonic Youth. It's the way to her heart. Yes, I'm always saying that Stuart is my favorite DJ in Atlanta. He always plays new stuff I've never heard of, which, well, I would say lately is probably very easy to do because I'm not up on things like I have been in the past. But Stuart is up on things, always making the playlist, too. I I try. Um, It's kind of an addiction. I can't help myself. How do you what is your technique? How do you find all the new stuff? I know like people ask me that all the time and I don't (laughs) have like one. I'm just kind of like constantly absorbing things through different means. Um, So like a lot of it is, you know, just following things on social media and, um, you know, one thing leads to another, reading reviews, um, reading different music publications. Um, But there's not like one source or even like a couple of sources that I can point to. Um, It's just kind of by osmosis at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I feel like in the early 2000s, it was like always, what is that? The hype machine or whatever that one website is. Hype yeah, there was something. Yeah. Like exactly. Or back even before um, the internet, you know, you had specific magazines that you really went to as your main source, but now um, it's so distributed that it's impossible really to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, when our friends come into the store, we like to play this game called the high fidelity game where we do our top five of something. Would you want to play with us today? I always love making a list. So, yes. (laughs) Perfect. What should we do? What should we talk about today? So I was thinking top five LGBTQ plus indie artists. Ooh, I love it. Nice. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. I do have questions, though. Thoughts thoughts on this topic. Okay. So okay. I've heard from women musicians that I'm friends with that they don't like to be put in a corner. Although from my perspective, well, especially as someone who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and then we had like Lilith Fair, which was an all-female festival I thought it did so much to kind of put women artists on the forefront but a lot of women like Tori Amos for example who we all love would not agree to something like that because she said you know like no I want to be you know I am an artist I don't want to be in a corner I think it's important to talk about and highlight musicians as category sometimes because you rather get lost amongst all the white dudes or whatever. Do you see where I'm going with this question? <laughs> what is this question? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I don't know if it's like, a question as much as a, a statement, but right. um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely see that. And, you know, there is obviously 
something to be said for what Tori was saying, um, right. that you don't want to just be pigeonholed as a woman artist, um, or even necessarily like have that attached to you as a description all the time, because she's just an artist. Um, right. So why is that? always have the additional woman artist? So I get that. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's important to have representation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like Primavera, uh, music festival where they have a certain percentage of women artists, you know, and so I think um, it's trying to correct historical imbalances. So you can't completely ignore things like that because, yeah. um, you know, you, you want to have the representation and be fair. Yeah. You know, I've gone to Primavera before. I don't know. Did we go at the same time? I don't think we did. Did we? I think we missed because I I went in 2019 and then I went oh, okay. this year. So I think you went before me. Yeah. Okay. I thought for some reason you were there, but yeah, 2017 I went and I learned about some really great female musicians too. Like uh, Aldous Harding for one, I was like, who is this person? Never heard of her in my life. And was just immediately in love with her. I just thought she was so great. I didn't realize she was there in 2017. She was there in 2019 also. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, this is cool. I'm excited to talk through this list. Me too. Who should kick it off? Yeah, you. Shall I? Shall I? Okay. All right. Let's see. Okay, this was challenging for me, as always. I always have like the same preamble before I do my list. How about I just shut my mouth and get into it? Number five. We're going to start with Rina Sawayama. Rina Sawayama, she is a Japanese-British singer-songwriter, actress and model, born in Japan, raised in London. Uh, she self-released an EP called Rina in 2017 and has since released two studio albums under Dirty Hit Records called Sawayama in 2020 and Hold the Girl in 2022. So let's check out a bit of the lead single from Hold the Girl. It's called This Hell. Do you know this tune, either of you? I don't yeah. know this person. Really? I don't think so. Stuart, you, are you familiar with Rena? Yeah, yeah, I love her. In fact, I saw her at Primavera this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's great. Oh, wait, so, you know what? I have listened to this record. Hold on. I have to look at the album cover. Yes, scratch that. I've listened to it. Okay. Yeah, so this hell, that's like... Her, a tune celebrating community and love in the face of religious condemnation and just being free, doing you, boo. Um, she's very solidly pop, catchy dance anthems, power ballads and such. So like, to be completely honest, I don't really listen to her music because pop's not so much my thing, but I respect homegirls hustle so much that I just, I have to be a fan. And I think she's legit talented, you know, and she's just like worked so hard for every opportunity building her fan base. And I just get genuinely excited to see her pop up on like a late night show or something. Um, she's just been out there making it happen, man, starting on MySpace at 16. And now she's like on late night and tiny desk and all this stuff. Uh, it's been really cool to witness. She's been lauded as the future of pop in like the Guardian to Pitchfork. Elton John is a big fan. So like like what further endorsements do you need? They even recorded a duet version of her song, Chosen Family. Let's hear a clip of that. Yeah, 
The other thing I really love about her is she's like a real pop chameleon, very much in that like Madonna, Lady Gaga space, you know, super creative videos, great performer, impeccable style. Like she's she's got it all, you know, and she's making people pay attention. And she's gorgeous. I have a super hardcore crush on her. <laughs> she's cool. I don't. So, yeah, it was very pop heavy when I listened to it. But sometimes when I see live performances of music that I feel like might be too sugary for my ears on Spotify, I didn't, I tend to like it more. So I should find Tiny Desk concert of hers and check it out. Yeah, I thought her Tiny Desk performance was pretty dope. And like her earlier stuff, I feel like she kind of played with more hybrid pop things. Like she'd do some rock things and more electronic things. So she's certainly eclectic. But I think she's kind of like in her lane now and she's since gone kind of mainstream. That's why I put her at five because I don't know if we can call her indie anymore. But um, yeah, she I, I'm just loving watching her success story unfold. She totally deserves it. All right, moving on to number four, Sylvester. The disco, the queen of disco, Sylvester. Total R&B soul disco legend with the flashy clothes and that unmistakable falsetto voice with all those big hits in the 70s and 80s. Tara, we've talked about Sylvester before on the show, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Everybody knows what's easily one of my favorite dance songs of all time. You make me feel mighty real. Let's listen to a bit of that. So Sylvester grew up singing in the church in the Watts area of LA, and he was always gender fluid. Um, he always sang in that higher register in, in the church choir. There's this really cool mini documentary from Amazon Music that has lots of like clips and photos of his youth. And his sister talks about how his mother and grandmother were both just very fabulous and fashionable, and he inherited all that flash from them. Right. And his family completely embraced him for who he was, which I think is really fantastic. But unfortunately, the church did not. So he eventually moved to San Francisco and found community there. Good old San Francisco, the Castro. I'm sure that was like heaven. He joined forces with the Weather Girls, the powerhouse of vocals that are Martha Wash and Isora Rhodes. And like there, there he kind of had the best of both worlds. Right. The, that good old gospel singing that he grew up with in a queer setting. And they were called Sylvester and Two Tons of Fun, which is my favorite <laughs> band name <laughs> of all time. But yeah, he did eventually cross over into mainstream music, which is a big deal. Like he completely survived disco demolition and all that nonsense and cranked out a few more dance albums in the 80s. And uh, one of those hits from that era, this is a high energy track called Do You Wanna Funk? Uh, Billy Porter points out how major it is for a gender fluid black man to reach that level. You know, like so many have tried, are trying, but nobody did it quite like Sylvester. He was way ahead of his time in terms of bringing non-binary awareness and representation and acceptance to the broader cultural conversation. He was the true queen of disco. Three snaps for Sylvester. Yes, I love it. See, I thought about Sylvester, but... Sylvester for me is more like a legend. 
Oh, absolutely. For sure. I had like a whole category of folks like Sylvester that I was like, this is almost a separate list for me. Fair. <laughs> like reached legendary status or legendary in my mind, at least. But he was on independent labels. So I decided he could stay. Oh, yeah. I know it's totally fair. Yes. <laughs> All right. Number three, we have Brittany Howard. Best known as the singer, songwriter, and guitarist for Alabama Shakes, a group with which she won four Grammys. She's got that huge, distinct, soulful, sweet voice that just commands your attention. Uh, let's hear a bit from Alabama Shakes, the track Don't Wanna Fight from their 2015 album, Sound and Color. Don't So I love this song. She reminds me of, she's like our generation's sister, Rosetta Tharp. Do you think, Tara, do you hear that? Like the way she plays the guitar, her whole groove. I mean, and, and this comparison has been made plenty of times. She even, Brittany even inducted Tharp into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018, which is cool. And did a crazy groovy performance of Tharp's song, That's All. Outside of her work with Alabama Shakes and her other bands, Thunder Bitch and Bermuda Triangle, she released her debut solo album in 2019, Jamie, which got her the best rock song Grammy for the track Stay High. Have you heard any of her solo stuff yet or like seen her solo performances? I don't think so. She's, I have, she's yeah. really incredible. You've seen her live? I've not seen her live, but I've seen performances and I've listened to the solo stuff. I actually kind of yeah. prefer it to Alabama Shakes, actually. I do too. Absolutely. I don't know. It's just, she just is so in her pocket. It's like she was just born on stage, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. She's a magnetic performer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is a really great song. There's also a version of it performed with Childish Gambino that's also Mad Groovy. Um, Robert Glasper plays Celeste on the original, and that's like my favorite instrumental or instrument sound on that track. It's, it really sets it off. The whole album is a great mashup of synth rock and blues, funk, neo-soul, country, doo-wop, just all the things. Very eclectic, very well-focused. It's giving D'Angelo a little bit of Prince. I just think she's a one-of-a-kind talent, and she seems really genuine and unpretentious, you know? Like, it'd be fun to just hang out with her and have a jam session, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, because she's really good no. at what she does. And I would just feel <laughs> terrible. Oh, stop it. But I feel like she's the she's so cool that you wouldn't, there's no room for like self-consciousness. You'd just be in the groove together, you know? I'll be like, uh, you can play my guitar if you want. I'll just watch. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's see. Oh, we're almost there. Number two, Serpent with Feet. And we talked about this artist recently as well. Yeah. Yes. Josiah Wise, an experimental musician based in Brooklyn, New York. So he hit my radar quite recently. He was featured on Bjork's latest album, Fossora, on the track Fungal City. But you know, Tara, that's not even the first time that they've worked together. There's a version of Bjork's Utopia track, Blissing Me, that he sings on as well. And it's, it's pretty magical. Let's play a clip of that. I 
that. I love that one. That's my favorite one from that album because she talks about two music nerds falling in mm-hmm. love, listening to MB3s. Yeah, it's a really cute song. I wasn't like super big on Utopia, but I did like that track and I like this version even better. So he released his debut studio album, Soil, in 2017 and opened on tour for Grizzly Bear, who I also love. I thought that was neat. Um, He's already got a ton of collaborations under his belt, including Brockhampton, Rosalia, Moby, Ty Dolla Sign, Ellie Goulding, just to name a few. Okay, so I want to play a bit of my favorite track from his 2021 studio album, Deacon. The track is called Sailor's Superstition. Have either of you uh, listened to Serpent with Feet at all? Or familiar with this artist? I saw Serpents with Feet at Big Years. Oh, yeah. This year when? Uh, I think before the pandemic. Mm. Oh, wow. What so, of those years? And it was an opener for me, for somebody, and I can't remember who it was. But yeah, that um, Serpent with Feet was almost on my list, actually. What's his live setup like? Like, does he go for the full band? Is there like a DJ? How does that work? It wasn't when I saw him. I don't know, Tara, when you saw him. No, I think it was like a pre-recorded type yeah. thing yeah so it's probably like early early on in his career yeah well the album had rave, rave reviews some considered it a contender for album of the year i don't know if i would go that far it is a really dope album <laughs> um but according to the guardian's review deacon presents same-sex black love as healing and transcendental full of tenderness and humor merged footwear and glasses of prosecco <laughs> so that was fun And the artist himself, he says about this album, Deacon is something that I wanted to create in a tradition that I saw, which is Black people rejoicing anyhow. Black people living their damn life anyhow, because nobody can take my peace or my joy from me. Not the government, not a random white person on the street. I just wanted to make an album that was a reminder to me. I get to enjoy this life that I have, no matter the trials or the mountains, which I think is pretty cool. That is. Yeah. Hold on. When was... Am I confusing? Do you remember the video you were talking about, about someone in the woods? That's Moses Sumney. Okay. Okay. Shoot. So yes. Moses Sumney and Serpent with Feet for me are very similar to me musically also. Right? Because I feel like I've seen both of them. Uh, you know how I, f- you know how I feel about Moses, Moses Sumney, Tara. <laughs> I love Moses Sumney so him. much. Yeah. But I just couldn't remember who did that video live video thing yes in the blue ridge mountains yeah it was like a live concert out in the blue ridge mountains okay yeah that's not mm-hmm. scratch that all right here is my number one pick drum roll mikachu mika levi english singer songwriter producer musician all of the things i have been a huge fan of theirs for years now since jewelry uh, Mika Chu and the Shapes album from 2009, which just brought me so much joy because it's so kooky and catchy. Uh, here's a bit of Just In Case, which might be my favorite track on that album. So yeah, super fun music, complex, but not taking itself too seriously, you know? I like to listen to Mika Chu and the Shapes when I'm brainstorming. Um, it helps me like free my mind and reminds me to go a bit farther out there. 
because Mika clearly isn't making music necessarily for everyone. It feels like their music is coming directly from some internal wellspring, you know, without any judgment or watering down. And that's the kind of artist I aspire to be. What do you all think about Mika, Mika Chu and the Shapes? Love Mika Chu and the Shapes. Yeah. Me too. I love Mika Chu and the Shapes. I love the soundtrack for Under the Skin so much. Um, mm-hmm. And I've even seen Oliver Coates perform that song, Love, which is one of my absolute favorites from that soundtrack, which was composed by Michael Levi. Micah? Mika? Michael Levi? Levy? Is it Levy? I don't know. We're Let's saying, go with Levy. We're saying both the names in many different ways. <laughs> I'm going to say Mika because it. Pikachu, and if I'm wrong, my bad, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, yeah, I've always, yeah. Said, I've always said Mika. Mika. I've always said Mika Levy. I don't know why Levy. just now I'm saying Mika Levi. That's like a first for me, <laughs> to be completely honest. Anyway. But yes, I love them very much. Awesome. I think the band's not even Mikachu in the Shapes anymore. I, I think they're known as Good, Sad, Happy, Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah you're right. Yeah, that's going to be tough to work into the muscle memory, but I'm just going to put that out there. Um, Mika, Micah, all of the things, is also a celebrated composer for film and TV. They've won a European Film Award for Best Composer, as well as nominations for both a BAFTA Award and an Academy Award, which is pretty rad. And even way before that, while they were in conservatory, they were commissioned to compose a piece for the London Philharmonic Orchestra. So legit talent there. And the thing that I love most about Mikachu is the fact that they build and modify their own instruments out of all kinds of random stuff, and then actually like perform and record with them, which is really cool. That's my top five, y'all. I didn't know that. Man, I didn't actually know many of your people very well. Oh, good. That's always fun. Yeah. Got some things to check out. Yeah. What about you, Stuart? Okay. Well, so my top five, I painted myself into a very specific corner because I wanted it to be queer and indie, but also who are currently active. And um, then just my own subjective, I think they're doing interesting things for whatever reason. So so my number five is self-esteem. Rebecca Lucy Taylor goes by self-esteem. She was in a band called Slow Club with Charles Watson, and we could play um, I Do This All the Time from her album Prioritize Pleasure. For as long as you think you can. Be very careful out there. Stop trying to have so many friends. And so um, Slow Club was kind of indie, little folky to begin with. And so under the new self-esteem band name, she's doing like a lot more kind of pure pop, um, but with an edge and really kind of going in a very different direction from what Slow Club was. And also the Blur show at Wembley next year in London, self-esteem is going to actually be one of the opening acts. So really blow up currently. Wow. Yeah. I don't know this artist. This is like... Yeah, this is totally new. I'm going to be studying up after this. Can I ask, I'm going to, because this is a new name for me, can you give us like a a sounds like artist for comparison? 
I mean, I would say that it's probably similar to some of the arena stuff in that it's like pop, but still kind of like indie pop. It's kind of hard to compare to arena just because especially like new album is kind of all over the place. But that's probably like a good reference point, you know, where it could actually be almost pure pop, but they're still mm-hmm. functioning in the more indie world. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So my number four is, well, it's kind of a cheat because it's Romy and Oliver Sim from The Exed. Um, I don't want to say the XX because I don't believe Jamie XX is queer. I don't actually know for sure. But um, Romy and Oliver Sim are. And I think that obviously collectively, you know, the XX has been hugely influential. Um, But I think they're both doing really interesting things as solo artists. Romy doesn't even have an album out, but all the choices that she's been making have been really interesting to me. Like she's been kind of moving more towards pure dance and she's kind of making me think of the transition that Tracy Thorne went through and everything but the girl, you know, where it's like really embracing the dance side. Plus their voices are so similar, you know, so... Um, it's it's really interesting to kind of see that progression. And it, she seems to be embracing the dance side of things where Oliver is doing more of what's like traditionally the, the XX sort of sound. So for Romy, um, we could play the new single that she has with Fred again called Strong. And I love the video for it because it is very reminiscent of Don't Give Up with Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush because they're kind of embracing each other the whole time. Um, I can't imagine that's not a reference point for it. (laughs) I have to see that video then immediately. I'm so glad that you said this one because this one was on my short list. It definitely was one that I was thinking. Yeah. And I love Romy stuff too. I love the track that she did with Jamie XX, the uh, Loud Places. I love the track that she did with the Avalanches on their new album. Yeah. I, I, and that, that comparison with Tracy Thorne is such a good one. And I've never thought of that before. That's pretty big. Yeah, I love Tracy Thorne, so I definitely want to check out this Romy. Yeah, I mean, and she's also been doing a lot of writing for other artists. Like she wrote for King Princess. She co-wrote one of the songs for the new Dua Lipa. So she's definitely been kind of focusing on a lot of just different things and not prioritizing putting out a full album, which I really respect. You know, she's kind of just experimenting and seeing where you know what she wants to do likewise oliver sim i think his album is very similar to classic xx but what i found really interesting was that he did a companion film that's kind of like the boy harsher film that they put out earlier this year where it's not like a full album a full video album but it's kind of a film accompaniment And it doesn't necessarily incorporate like full songs or all the songs, but the film is called Hideous. The album is Hideous Bastard. And 
It has a lot of influences from like queer filmmakers like Derek Jarman, Todd Haynes's Poison, like even some Bruce LaBruce. Um, so I, I don't necessarily completely love the new album, but I'm really interested in the things that he's doing um, and the different influences that he has. So um, it's made me appreciate the album a little bit more just because of all that. He's also working with Jimmy Somerville on one of the songs. So I don't know uh, that much, or I didn't realize he, he's done that much. Yeah, well, it's just this its just this one album that came out this year. I don't know if he's done, like, any other one-off things, but it's, mm. um, it's the solo album that came out this year. Oh, gotcha. Cool. All right. My number three is Joe Talbot from Idols. I am a huge Idols fan. And I think it's really interesting to see somebody kind of taking punk music and taking away that typical macho Mm -hmm. stance from it. And so I really appreciate that aspect of, you know, a frontman being by and being open about it and I just think in general like idols have really brought um something a little bit different to punk music in general Joe also helps design all their merchandise which I can't stop buying (laughs) because (laughs) all of it is so good so yeah for a track I think my favorite track of theirs is still from the first album Mother What are your all's thoughts about Idols? Idols, yeah. So I also haven't listened to a ton of Idols. I haven't listened to a ton of like those more punk, like indie rock type bands much recently. I'm in my dad era right now, I think. (laughs) Uh, Drug dealer sounds. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people love them and I should give them more airtime. But I love I love how you're talking about breaking that sort of punk macho like mode, breaking the norms of that whole punk macho thing. Because also Billy Joe Armstrong did that in the 90s and didn't that one of the guys from like Judas Priest or something also do the same where it's just like totally unexpected on MTV came out or something like that. I don't know if it was on MTV, but yeah, it's the lead singer. Is it Judas Priest? Is it it's, Judas? Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's Rob Halford. It's Judas yeah. Priest. I always want. Okay. I always question yeah. myself. It's like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest, but no. it's totally Judas. Yeah. I do the same. I was like, shit, is this another metal band <laughs> I'm thinking of? No, no yeah, yeah, it's Rob Halford. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I like that. That too. That breaking the norms thing. Exactly. Do you know the band Idols, Natalie? I've heard of them, but I'm not super familiar with their music. These are You're just throwing all kinds of new artists at me, and I'm just taking notes for my homework later. This is great. Well, my number two is Karen Dreiger from Fever Ray and the Knife. Ooh, yes. Kind of a... 
a no-brainer, really. So I, I think the knife are probably not officially broken up, but they're definitely not really performing as a knife much. So their their brother Olaf is doing a lot of producing and DJing, but Karen is fevere and it's kind of carrying on the knife tradition in sound, I think. Karen has a new album coming out as Fevere next year and also doing a unfortunately limited U.S. tour. Um, it's not super limited, but it's limited because they're, because they're not coming to Atlanta. So, uh, <laughs> so in my mind, it's limited. Exactly. Exactly. But I really appreciate that they continue to kind of come up with these really bizarre persona for each project. And like, you know, with the knife, Karen, you know, like famously accepted a European award. <laughs> I was with the, gonna say the melting face mask. <laughs> and like for the longest time, you didn't even really know. Um what, I love that video. We have to like um, <laughs> yeah, we have to put a, that a link of that video on the store website for our our friends in the store listening along because it's hilarious because she lifts up her veil and puts the microphone underneath and just goes like <laughs> growls into. <laughs> It's brilliant. So funny. But yeah, and so like this persona so far for the new album seems to be some sort of deteriorating man, maybe <laughs> hard to really say, that works in an office. Um, and so like all the videos <laughs> and imagery have been sort of like this dystopian office, and Karen is seemingly a man but it's really hard to say but yeah it's it's definitely um an interesting new persona and i just really appreciate that it's always kind of anti-glamour in any sort mm -hmm. of way yeah no yeah i appreciate her thought and creativity in creating these personas that make you kind of just think about well the project as a whole i mean how does it, right, like, how does it relate to then the songs? We don't know yet. I haven't heard any of the songs, but yeah, she's so creative just a as a visual artist, as a performer, as a singer, as a songwriter, so creative and talented. This is an interesting one, too, because I'm a, I'm a fan of The Knife, and I guess I just never knew of this Fever Ray connection. Because they've been doing this for a while. The, what, yeah. the debut album is like, what, 2009? Yeah, I had no idea. It's like a whole new that world. one flew by. Yeah, 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 completely. Song, when I grow up was the kind of the hit. Huh. When I grow Okay, yeah, I'll have to do some some backtracking on that. Thanks, Stuart. <laughs> the live shows are always also, well, I've not seen um, a live show since like 2000, 
Montana, I guess. I think it was at 2009 or 2010 at Coachella. It was kind of much like what I've seen video of the knife performing live, kind of simultaneously terrifying and compelling. <laughs> You know, so like I definitely felt like I was entering some sort of unsettling ritual, but I was completely there for the journey. What is the song you play uh, when you DJ sometimes? I think the video, it's like a desert or a gas station or I don't know if I'm remembering the video correctly because I'm usually drinking alcohol when I see it, but uh, <laughs> some, it, it's a newer one. Yeah, I think it's Fever A. So there is, well, I, I've played, trying to think of which one it would be that would be a desert. I'm also like blending in, I think, Peaches. Uh, oh, yes, there's definitely a, oh, so I bet I know why you're completing them. Um, oh. Because there is a Peaches one um, where she is in the desert and it involves urination. And oh. then there is another one from Fever Ray that also does um, for To the Moon and Back. To so the Moon and Back. That's it. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, wow. So but they both, I, I didn't remember the urination of so, the, But yeah, you put it together without even realizing it. So yeah. Weird. What? <laughs> Good That's connection, hilarious. even if you didn't realize it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got there eventually. Um, <laughs> to urination. Exactly. Yeah, it all comes back to that. <laughs> so let's play that song, actually. Yeah. Um, to the moon and back. Okay, so my number one is Christine of Christine and the Queens. So Christine is a French artist. Um, Christine and the Queens is really just him. And I, I feel like the second album from Christine, Chris, kind of an indie pop masterpiece. And then just recently, Christine released a new album called Red Car. And so... Let's play a song from the first, from the second album, though, um, Girlfriend. Girlfriend, don't feel like a girlfriend, but So Christine um, actually is curating the 2023 Meltdown Festival in London, which was a really interesting and surprising announcement. I don't know if the artists have been announced yet, but I just think that's really amazing that they were getting the opportunity to do that. Previously, it's been, you know, folks like Grace Jones and um, other really huge acts. So I think it's a real testament to the respect that his music is getting now. Wow. It's completely new again. <laughs> Totally new. So as a, as a newbie, if I wanted to dive into the, the material, where should I start? I would start with the second album. There are only three, I believe. Um, okay. And the newest one is Red Car. Um, so yeah, the second one is called Chris. And I don't really feel like there's a bad song on the album. Um, Christine's also done a duet with Charlie XCX called I Gone. I was going to say, I think you played that one too. Yes, right? I do. Okay. Um, I and really there's a car 
Yes, yes. They're like chained to a car <laughs> and it's very sensual. Um, so yeah, um, so let's play that as well. See, I, I saw Christine 2019 at Primavera, and it was probably my favorite performance of the entire weekend, like towards the beginning. That's so huge. Like setting a very high bar. But yeah, it's... I mean, yeah, were, but before you go forward with more, yes. tell us more of the acts from that year so that we can truly feel um, that impact. Because yeah. you know Primavera has these like legendary acts yes mixed um, in with like new people and yeah uh, I, I want I want to show the true impact of that statement <laughs> exactly yes so um let me try to recall everybody that was there so um stereo lab was there um suede was there which is definitely um, a candidate for possibly a tie for best performance Robin was there Robin. Uh, Jarvis Cocker, Charlie XCX, who else was there? Lizzo. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, there were many huge acts. Caliucci, yeah. um, oh. Rosalia. Yeah. Don't you love it when you go to a, a big festival and you, you know, all of the big headlining acts you're excited to see, and then just randomly a, a side stage, you know, smaller act earlier in the day just blows you away. Absolutely. I, that. I think that's, <laughs> that's the magic of going to a music festival, honestly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Especially one like Primavera that does have all of those huge acts, but then like huge popular acts, huge old school legendary. Because when I went, Grace Jones was playing and Aphex Twin, but then nice. I'd never heard of nor seen Aldous Harding and I just was blown away by her. One of my friends was brought to tears watching her set. And then like Sampha and like, yeah, just what's his face? King Cruel. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's like you get these giant legends. You got these very popular people like Cardi B, people like that. And then, oh, Solange was there one year. And then you have these tiny, small people who you don't know very much. And then you're just like, whoa, they're so good. Yeah, yeah that's it. cool. So that was my top five. So good. Bravo. I need to explore nice. some of those in the early parts of your list. That's good. That's a great. I love both of your lists. I need to study up clearly. Yeah, it's been really like broad so far. Yeah. No cross, you know, overlap or anything. I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm really surprised we didn't cross over at all. So it's, it's, it's great. I know. Me too. There's just been a little bit of crossover on our short list. <laughs> well, then I'm excited to uh, tell my list because it's even more like no crossover and still just like these amazing artists. I kind of just went, thought off the top of my head, who would I put in a list? And then obviously it was more than five. And then I tried to pull from that the ones that I thought were a good mix of representation from sound, like a, uh, like a I guess a wider span of sound in the indie genre. And then um, just also a little bit based off of favoritism too. So I'm going to start with number five, a little country flavor for you. Orville Peck. Orville 
Orville Peck is our fringed mask wearing, possibly very handsome indie <laughs> country western style singer. I say potentially handsome because he does put off a vibe of very being very handsome. And I have Googled, but I won't talk about that here today. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the same Googling. Just don't do it on your work computer, okay? Ooh, sage advice. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So he, he released his debut album in 2019. It's called Pony. And then followed with an EP, Show Pony, the next year. And then his second studio album was called Bronco. Supposedly, Orville Peck is the persona of this guy, Daniel Pitou. I'm going to say Pitou, like a very French person, even though he's from South Africa originally, but moved to Canada. Uh, I don't know if that's really how you say his name. So sorry if that's incorrect, but he was the drummer of a Canadian punk rock band called New Sensei. And I guess, yeah, it's been confirmed that that's him, but it was speculated because he has similar tattoos and the whole mentioning of the punk band and then being from South Africa originally. I've seen him before. He's so good. And one thing that he brought to my attention was this song. And he said he was going to sing a Willie Nelson song, which I was like, immediately ears perked up. And he said, he started singing the song. This song is called Cowboys Are Frequently Secretly Fond of Each Other. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a Willie Nelson song? That's so cool. And so, of course, had to look that up. But it was originally written in 1981 by this person called Ned Sublet, a Latin country music performer. And and Willie covered it, and it was the first LGBTQ-themed mainstream country song by a major artist. Cowboys frequently, secretly fond of each other. Say, what do you think all them saddles and boots was about? Nice. Wow. I've heard that Garth Brooks got close in 1992 with a song about being free. I forget the title of it, didn't write it down, but um, something about being free, but it's not necessarily focused on LGBTQ. It's, it's, it's just potentially could be referencing it. And so it wasn't played by mainstream radio, but because it was that same Barbara Streisand um, effect that I've talked about before where it's like, People don't know about it, and then there's a whole snafu or a whole, like, someone makes up a big deal about something which causes it to actually get more popular uh, because everyone is curious, like, what the heck are they talking about? Why are they banning this book? Now I want to read it, you know? So it got to actually number 12, but that broke Garth Brooks' top 10 streak. Anyway, it not, isn't necessarily gay-themed, but this one is... Thank you, Willie Nelson. And he recorded it, but then he didn't have any reason for it to be released until the movie Brokeback Mountain came out and he brought it out of the closet, so to speak. And um, and it charted and it was one of his biggest hits since I think a 1984 song. I can't remember. But all that being said is Orville Peck played this song at a show and it really stuck out to me and I was just like, damn, that's so cool. He was presented with the Cultural Icon Award by the Tom of Finland Foundation for Artistic Achievement and Immeasurable Contributions to the Art and Culture of their community and was named among the 50 heroes leading the nation toward equality, acceptance, and dignity dignity for all people at the 50th anniversary of the first LGBTQ Pride Parade. 
named by Queerty, Queerty, um, in June of 2020. So yeah, Orville Peck. Was that the um, show at Masquerade? Yes, it was. I was there. Oh, so good. Also just shows that Willie Nelson has always been ahead of his time. So cool. That's true. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, and also is... Uh, I think sings a duet with Lady Gaga on something and has collaborated with a lot of people. So Orville Peck is, is wonderful. I love any one of his records. Put it on. I love it. All right. Number four, Grizzly Bear. Which includes Ed Drost the singular gay member of Grizzly Bear, which he's no longer part of, but Grizzly Bear was created by Ed Drost. It actually, Grizzly Bear, the name, began as a moniker for Ed Drost in the early 2000s, and he it was going to be a solo project, and then like he recorded some songs, and then other people started contributing, and it just became this band, but he was happy to make it not a solo project. And he said regarding the band's origin... It was just like doing a little home project and I thought, oh, this is fun. I'm just going to call it, call this stuff Grizzly Bear, which is a name, uh, a nickname for an old boyfriend of his. Grizzly Bear. I mean, what more can I say? Grizzly Bear is Grizzly Bear. I love Grizzly, Grizzly Bear so much. Yeah, they're much. great. Yeah, so I love them good. too. Do you like Grizzly Bear, Stuart? I do. Yes. Are they still functioning as a band? I don't think so because Ed quit to do to go to school, but I don't think it was like actually publicly announced for a while after it happened. But then I think he's contributed on other projects, like Daniel Rosen's project. Right. Wikipedia still says is, but yeah, I I agree. I thought they were kind of on permanent hiatus. It does say, I think also on the Wikipedia page, which I don't have pulled up on my smart device in the store, but I think it he does say something about that that is similar to like, oh, you can break up, but it's like the chances of getting back together are still on the table. So I think that was kind of a like, yeah, whatever. We might. We don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving it that open That means for they, us. they probably will. So we won't consider yeah. them completely defunct. Right. Oh, and I also just wanted to say, I learned about Grizzly Bear first on MySpace. Did you really? Yeah. And it was, I think, the cover of uh, He Hit Me. That cover. It's like a, is that a Nancy Sinatra song? I forget. Don't think it is, but I don't remember who it is. The Crystals. I forget. Who was it that said MySpace already? One of you mentioned MySpace. Someone got their, Rena. Yes. Rena. Rena and Mikachu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, both of them. Yeah. Got their start on MySpace. And I think one of my friends from college dated Ed Drost. Or maybe really? it was their friend. One of my friends' friend. I can't remember. But that was how I learned of them on MySpace in the early 2000s from my friend who either dated or had a friend who dated Ed Drost. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho... All right, that was number four. Number three is everyone in the world's absolute favorite, Frank Ocean. 
That's the way every day goes Every time we've no control If the sky is pink and white If the ground is black and yellow Absolutely. Yeah. And Frank is like, Frank is one of the most acclaimed artists of, of his generation. I mean, my youngest brother, who's in his early 20s, is completely obsessed with Frank Ocean. And then I have friends my same age who are just completely obsessed with Frank Ocean. He lost a lot of his recording equipment in Louisiana with Hurricane Katrina, quit school, moved to Los Angeles and to pursue his music career. And they got hired as a songwriter under the name Lonnie Bro. And this is kind of early 2000s. And then he got a songwriting deal, wrote, for, wrote songs for artists like Justin Bieber, Beyonce, John Legend, and Brandy. And then he said at the time, there was a point where I was composing for other people and it might have been comfy to continue doing that and enjoy that income stream and the anonymity, but that's not why I moved away from school and family. He wanted to keep working on his own music. So he did get signed and he put out a few records. He put out Channel Orange. He put out Endless and Blonde. And his first two studio albums have been listed on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. He's won two Grammys, a Brit Award. Endless was a visual album, which I think is cool. He did some more experimental type things. He's just wonderful. He is wonderful. I must have been sensing that he was going to be on your list because I was listening to Channel Orange this past weekend, actually. And I hadn't listened to it in forever and appreciated it even more, I think, than I did originally. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, not only is he pushing the boundaries and he's pushing the boundaries in music, in hip hop, in rap, in R&B, in indie music, in whatever. I mean, he is... He's impacting all of these different genres in his own way, but also, you know, has this like, what is it, other company called Homer. It's a fashion brand. He's worked as a photographer. He's, you know, gosh, he's just done so much. Oh, I loved this quote from uh, this person. Culture critic Nelson George, along with Miguel, has said that Frank Ocean staked out ground where he is not competing with those hit-driven commercial R&B acts and is cultivating a sound that balances adult concerns with a sense of young men trying to understand their own desires, an apt description of Ocean particularly. I thought that was kind of a cool quote. Yeah, that is. Tara, do you have a favorite song? song? Gosh, I love Super Rich Kids and the whole like Elton John sample. Many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charm. Yeah, anything with Benny and the Jets. <laughs> now I'm doubting myself that it's even that song. Is it? Super, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that's all you have to do to think of Benny and the Jets. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I think my favorite is Pyramids. Take I like pyramids too. I would have yeah. going to say that. Honestly, blonde in itself is really good. Um, all right. Number two. Number two is Cindy Lee.
of Cindy Lee. Cindy Lee is a drag queen and by their terms, confrontation pop project of Canadian musician Patrick Flagel, who was the former guitarist and lead singer of the band Women, which is now the rest of the folks mostly are part of preoccupations, which I liked as Viet Cong, but then kind of fell off. And it's one of those bands like Idols, I feel like that I kind of like I bucketed together and just kind of like forgot about or something. But I just saw Cindy Lee like a couple of weeks ago, my first time. And That album, What's Tonight to Eternity, in 2020 was in my top five albums of 2020. And so seeing Cindy Lee live for the first time for me was such a huge deal. And it was so cool. And she didn't play anything from that record at all, but I still loved it so much. It was like pre-recorded, some pre-recorded sounds, but with guitar noise, a la Sonic Youth on top of it and Cindy Lee's vocals. It's, it was just, I could not stop staring and just in awe. I loved it. So I've read that there's like Faye Dunaway and Patsy Cline are big influences on Cindy Lee. And so you get that. It's sort of like, um, like these old starlets. That's their sort of per- persona. And then when I hear it, it's, it's very much like Phil Spector tinged Karen Carpenter, but with Sonic mm. Youth. fuzz bubbling all around it oh and some fun jazz chord progressions too i just love it so much that's really all i can say (laughs) yeah i actually don't know a ton about cindy lee and but i just the music i love cindy lee's music so much Stuart, do you like cindy lee i do and that that was a really good description um it is that sort of like i don't know it's almost twin peaksy yeah that like weird combination of like a little bit rock and menacing, but then also like a little campy. Mm -hmm. And that kind of combo always makes me think of like Twin Peaks. Yeah. I think Cindy Lee's music would actually work perfectly in Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's a really good, I would like to watch a Cindy Lee dubbed soundtrack of Twin Peaks. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm looking this up in Wikipedia because this is also a new name for me. And one of the genre, the first genre listed is hypnagogic pop, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever heard of before. I don't but. know that either. Yeah, yeah. they also call it confrontation pop. And I'm just like, I don't really get much pop from it at all. I get, well, unless you're counting like 50s girl singer pop reworked. I always that attach is. pop to something when I want to make sure it doesn't, like, because it is melodic and kind of, right. you know, so that's that's the only, I just kind of like always putting pop. So I get why, where they're coming from, because it's not um, like super, it definitely has melody and it definitely, you know, has a song structure as opposed to, you know, things that might be more experimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And man, Cindy Lee can play the guitar like no one I've seen. I mean, shredding. Just fingers all the way down in the high notes solos on top of these fuzzy girl pop weird Phil Spector sounds. Sweet. I'm excited <laughs> so about this cool. one. So cool. Check it out. Yeah. yeah, you would love it, I think. All right, here we are. Number, Number one. one. Okay, warning. This one is no longer indie, but I think was widely impactful to 
indie music overall, like one of the first, I would say. And semi-local and also no longer active. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I couldn't, I would be mad at myself forever had I not mentioned this band because they're one of my favorites and it's R.E.M. This one goes out to the one I love This one goes out to the one I've left behind I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Stipe. <laughs> of course. <laughs> R.E.M., American rock band from Athens, Georgia, formed in 1980 by Bill Berry, Peter Buck, Mike Mills, and singer Michael Stipe. And so... We all know Michael Stipe and his distinct voice and dance moves, kind of obscure lyrics. But yeah, I, th- I just think that they're an incredibly important band. They're a pioneer of alternative rock. I would say Nirvana, Pavement, Sonic Youth, R.E.M. Like these are like pioneers of the game. And these bands have likely influenced Grizzly Bear, Sandy Lee, Frank Ocean. You know, like these are... This REM is 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 incredibly influential, and yeah, at one point we're indie out of Athens, Georgia. So I, yeah, had to had to uh, include them on the list. There was an interesting quote he had, and it said, you know, there were rumors that in 1992, um, after Automatic for the People came out, that Michael Stipe had contracted HIV, um, and he responded, "Not that I can tell." <laughs> I wore a hat that said White House Stop AIDS. I'm skinny. I've always been skinny, except in 1985 when I looked like Marlon Brando the last time I shaved my head. I was really sick then, eating potatoes. I think AIDS hysteria would obviously and naturally extend to people who are media figures and anybody of indecipherable or unpronounced sexuality. Anybody who looks gaunt for whatever reason, anybody who is associated for whatever reason, whether it's a hat or the way I carry myself as being queer friendly. I do know also that he did have a brief relationship with Natalie Merchant. Who is coming to Atlanta next year. Shut the front door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have to buy tickets. With Atlanta Symphony Orchestra at Symphony Hall. Stop. Oh, nice. Are tickets for sale yet? I need to buy them immediately. Probably soon. It was just announced today. Oh, my gosh. That'll oh my be gosh. a good show. Yeah. I You've just made my, my week. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, so he did have a relationship with Natalie Merchant, but always described himself as neither gay nor straight, attracted to both women and men, and has appeared on the cover of Out Magazine, has described himself as a queer artist, and has been in a relationship with an amazing man for a long time. But he has stated, you know, I think there's a line drawn between gay and queer, and for me, queer describes something that's more inclusive of the gray areas. So... Uh, mm-hmm. Also, a lot of people have said that losing my religion, the song, was kind of like veiled commentary surrounding coming out. But he also has said he doesn't write biographically. So, is that him in the corner not wanting to be put in a corner? <laughs> Maybe one can speculate. <laughs> <laughs> That's my list. That's a great pick. I love that you picked REM. REM is one of those groups. It makes me feel like so grateful again for the. 90s MTV era that I would be exposed to R.E.M. in their prime. Like, I feel like everybody has an R.E.M. song that they know and love. Even my mom, which is incredible, has an R.E.M. song that she knows. Yeah. Everybody Hurts. That's her her jam. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they're fantastic. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it a good is pop a good song. mom song. Oh, a mom song. I thought I said pop song. It's like so poppy. <laughs> no, sad. Also, RuPaul was in the Shiny Happy People music video. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. Well, should we go through our short lists? Yeah, lightning round. Lightning round. Um, I had the XX, Anoni or Antony and the Johnsons, Magnetic oh, Fields, Girl Pool. Rockin'. How about you, Stuart? What's your short list? I had um, Arlo Parks, um, Kay Tempest, Andy Butler of Hercules and Love Affair, yes. um, Anoni, and Martin Tulin, um, who's in Exploded View and um, has worked with Jenny Wilson, who also worked with Knife. But I felt that was too much when I was already doing Karen Dreiger and want to get, I didn't want to bring in all those connections. I want to try to be, try to keep five clean. Yeah. Well, you, Natalie. Nice. I also had Anoni on my list. I think that's cool that all three of us did. We did. <laughs> um, these names mostly got kicked off because I don't think they're indie, but I had Michelle and Degiocello, LP, Khaki King. Oh, Khaki King. Big Frida. Yeah. Big Frida, Block Party, and of course, Moses Sumney. I had Moses Sumney, but then I wasn't sure what his status was. Also not sure, which is why ultimately he did not make the list. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I have to add my ultimate favorite um, queer artist of all time, who should be my number one, is Wendy and Lisa from Prince's The Revolution. Yeah. Yes. But again, like, does that... Yeah, we need a legend. They don't, they're not indie. Yeah, because I had, I had legend, like Pet yeah. Shop Boys and Coil. Um, Katie you know, Lang. But- yeah. Sure, sure. But still, I had to call my girls out. I love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome list, everybody. Yeah, this is really fun. And actually, educational, I need to I need to listen to all of these artists. Yeah, me too. And please send me that Melting Face Award acceptance speech <laughs> video you two mentioned. I'm super intrigued. Definitely. Stuart, you should make, you probably already have one, a playlist of all of your favorites. Oh, yeah. And then we can... I have like an indie pride list that I did last year um, and they probably are all on there, but I'll check if it's not, I'll, I'll tweak it a bit. Nice. Okay. We'll make sure to link it on our store website as well for our friends in the store that are listening. We should restock the employee recommendation shelf. Absolutely. Natalie, what shall I go put? first? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to one of the artists in my list. Um, I'm going to go with Mikachu and the Shapes and their album, Never. Which is, I think, my favorite in the discography so far. Cool. I am going to recommend a book. It just came out last year by Questlove. It is Music is History. I just finished this book. It's so good. It's um, Questlove combining his music expertise with curiosity about history and just kind of looking at music and history over the past 50 years. And yeah, it's just so good. And he does these little lists in between each of the years. So I kind of want to make a giant playlist of all the music he mentions. Nice. Stuart, I know you're not an employee, but would you like to put something on the recommendation shelf? Of course. Um, so mine's a book as well. Um, it is Genesis Peorge's memoir um, that 
they wrote um, before they died in, I think it was 2020. So it's it's called Non-Binary. So it kind of fits with everything that we've been talking about today. And it's actually really fascinating. You know, Janice Peorge from Throbbing Bristle and Psychic TV, and then also famously started becoming one with their partner, Lady Jane, um, and getting a lot of plastic surgery to look more similar to each other. Um, There's actually a movie out about that as well um, that I also recommend. So yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, I mean, talk about influential indie acts, Throb and Gristle. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I want to see that movie. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out in the store with us today, Stuart. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have to have you back so you can do a legends list or something with us. Right. We'll do a part two. An endless supply of lists. So I'm happy (laughs) to come back whenever. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Let's get out of here. Go home. Yeah. Get out of the store. Attention customers vacate the premises. (laughs) It's time to go home. Cue the Orville Peck. Happy trails to you. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. <laughs>